Welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peacock. Today's show is brought to you by Gymdesk, the easiest gym management software you'll ever use. Take payments, create marketing automations, track attendance, and much more. To try the software out free, go to gymdesk.com. No credit card or painful sales call required. Our hero today is Don Vitale, a professional wrestler, life coach, and owner of a professional wrestling gym. In this episode, Dom reveals to us what goes into running a niche business like a pro wrestling gym, as well as how he grew it. Then he walks us through how he takes the life lessons he's learned in the ring and beyond and coaches other people to reach their goals too. Without further ado, Dom Vitale. All right, Dom, welcome to the Gym Heroes Podcast. If you could go ahead and uh, introduce the audience to who you are and what your background is. Uh, thanks, Josh, uh, for having me. I really appreciate being on the show. Uh, my name is Dom Vitale. Uh, currently, I'm the owner and operator of the Arizona Pro Wrestling Training Center, um, where we train the future WWE superstars of tomorrow. Nice. Um, and I'm also the, uh, I also operate the uh, Roadmap Coaching Program, which is a personal professional development program that I've established as well. Awesome. So what, what led you to decide to open a pro wrestling training center? I don't know if I've ever, I didn't know that there were centers around that could prepare you yeah. to go into yeah. professional wrestling. Yeah. I mean, it, everyone's got to start somewhere. So, um, and I started this a long, long time ago, actually. Uh, I, re- I started my wrestling training in uh, December of 2000, uh, right, right, you know, pretty much fresh out of high school, 18 years old. It's something I always wanted to do. I you know, grew up watching it on television. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just something that was always there. And I was going to, I told myself then I'm like this, I'm going to make this happen one way or another. Um, so I did so, and I was, you know, I've been wrestling since then. And over the years, you know, um, I would pop into different wrestling training facilities to get my own repetitions in and things like that. And then as I, I grew my knowledge base and my skill set, um, probably about 10, 11 years in or so, I uh, was when I started to, to kind of you know, teach guys here and there or run classes, things like that at other, at other schools. Um, and over the course of time, um, I saw something missing as far as the training aspect went. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as wrestling became more popular and information became more accessible with the internet and things like that as, yeah. as the years gone on, um, I just felt like you know, the training aspect was really watered down. Um, and it was, it was missing the, some of the nuances that were present when I started training which was, it was very tough, you know, very physically demanding back, back in 2000, even before. So they really didn't let just anybody in You kind of had to find your way in. And it wasn't, you know, as simple as going on the internet and looking up wrestling schools, you really had to kind of go through some back doors and know <laughs> someone who knew someone who knew someone to do it. Yeah. Um, so over the course of time, you know, just kind of pitched in other places, get, give my knowledge. And then a friend of mine, um, was training under me. And then he stopped training abruptly and thought he was a really good guy and had a lot of potential. And I was really surprised that he kind of stepped away. And I asked him, you know, what was behind it? And he said, really, man, he's like, I really didn't feel like I was getting what I needed unless you were there teaching the class. Um, And that was, you know, always great to hear that, you know, someone's getting something out of what I'm providing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he said, you know, you ever think about opening your own place? 
And honestly, no, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, I had no intention of doing so. And I kind of blew it off and was like, yeah, you know, not, not, not really. And he's like, I really think, you know, you would be successful at it. And he took some, yeah, it took some time for him to kind of convince me, but what turned into him convincing me actually turned it into a partnership. So him and I kind of, um, sat down over the course of a few months and developed a game plan and a structure and a vision for our, our training center. And now we're business partners in that center. I um, mean, we've been open since uh, March of 2019 and we've, uh, we've generated a lot of buzz and really established a great name for ourselves within the wrestling community. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, do you, so you said that um, wrestling the, the way it used to be, they didn't really accept just anyone. You, you had to earn your way in. And I, I remember looking at your website that you, you do seem to have like a screening process. So like, w- what kind of guys are you looking for? Do they have like a rest, like a competitive wrestling background before they start pro wrestling? Can they just, do they just need to be very physically fit? Like what's, what are the requirements? So I'm looking for a particular type of athlete for, for our training center. Now, now mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. There's other places out there that will pretty much let anybody in and that's their prerogative and you know, that's okay. Um, but us specifically, we're looking to train individuals that specifically want to make a living doing professional wrestling. So like mm. hobbyists and people that are like, oh, I just want to kind of dip my toe in it and kind of see if it's something I'd like. We're really not the place for them. Um, okay. We, you know, we, we, we have a, we hold our students to a very high athletic standard, um, but also have a lot of um, commitments that they need to make in order to be enrolled in our center in the first place. So ideally we are looking for, you know, high level athletes because I think they're already you know, acclimated to, to that process of really working diligently hard towards something and dedicating a lot of time and their effort towards it. Um, but surprisingly over the, you know, over the past three years, almost four now, um, some of our most successful students have actually been people that had little to no athletic background. Um, Mm. they were just those people that really were true to themselves and said, this is something that I want to do and I'm going to do no matter what. And we've been able to transform quite a few individuals from, like I said, you saw them on the street, you would never expect them to, to be a professional wrestler then. And now they've, they've turned into some of our star pupils. Awesome. So how do you, how do you find these people to come train pro wrestling? Cause I don't think I've ever seen, I've seen local promotions for pro wrestling, but I don't think I've ever seen like an actual training center. Yeah, you know, it's not, it's very common for a lot of the local promotions to actually have a training facility tied to it. Not all of them do, but many actually do. Okay. Um, so we utilize obviously social media is a, is a big way for us to generate interest. Um, so we, we have our own wrestling promotion, but it, it, we didn't have it when we first started, uh, started our training center. Um, actually, we, we actually didn't even want one when mm-hmm. we started our training facility. It was just like, no, we're just going to do training and that is it. Um, but over the course of time, we realized there was another need for for a different type of wrestling promotion as well that we felt we, we, we could um, that could actually help grow our athletes. Um, so mm-hmm. we we do you know a lot of it's word of mouth. Um, the internet is our friend these days, so people can just pop into Google and say wrestling schools in Arizona, and thankfully we're I think we're the first one that that pops up. Um, but yeah, like years before. It wasn't as easy, you know, and I, I try not to make it painfully obvious and easy to find us for a reason. Mm. Um, I'm looking for for those people that can problem solve and can follow simple directions. 
And that, because to me, anyone can kind of just waltz in and, and think they belong. But I do have a, a pretty, I, I would consider a very easy screening process, but you'd be surprised how difficult that is for a lot of people. And if that piece alone is that difficult for someone, I really don't think they would, they would last too long in our center. Gotcha. So how do your services work? Um, and I think you mentioned that you really don't have any hobbyists that, that, that um, train there. So do you have like one program that you bring people from A to B? Are there different programs? How does that work? Yeah, it's a little bit different for depending on skill level. So we do, most of our students are from the ground up, zero experience. They come in and we, we teach them the basic fundamentals all the way up and, you know, up and through until they're actually wrestling regularly on the mm-hmm. circuit. Um, we also, you know, we, we adjust that for folks that come aboard that maybe have previous wrestling experience, have maybe have been wrestling for a few years and are looking for somewhere to train differently, maybe. Um, so obviously we wouldn't start them from the beginning. We just kind of slide them in with our, our more intermediate or advanced group. Um, and then we have our elite athletes and that's the, those are, uh, folks that I actually trained like more on a, on a one-on-one basis because all of our classes are group classes. You know, obviously you need somebody to, to wrestle with and work with. Yeah. Um, but for some of our, we, we had some uh, elite athletes over the, over the past couple of years. And these are folks that are already in just phenomenal physical shape, um, have a following to them and their time is, is limited as it is. So they can't do maybe the same dedication to the, to the group schedule that we have. So they, uh, they, they connect with me and we train more on a one-on-one basis and I'll pull in some of my, you know, more advanced guys to help out with the, with their classes and things like that, just to make sure they're getting you know, the attention that they need as well. So what, what all is involved in the training? Is it, is it a lot of calisthenics? I know there's definitely going to be like aspects of the showmanship and the, mm-hmm. the wrestling technique, but what, what all do the guys do? Yeah. So we, we cover everything, honestly. Um, and I think one of the things that gets overlooked by a lot of people from the outside is they go, oh, you just like learn the wrestling moves. And yeah, that's definitely a part of it. Um, but conditioning, I think, is the biggest thing that really gets overlooked, not only by people from the outside that don't really know our business, but a lot of people inside as well. Um, conditioning is so important because, you, you know, you're in the ring sometimes for 15, 20 minutes and mm-hmm. you're going at a very you know fast, intense pace and you have to have your stamina because when push comes to shove, you have someone else's life in your hands. And mm-hmm. that person is entrusting you with their life. So if you're not conditioned to a point where, you know, it's minute 18 of a 20 minute match and you got nothing left in the tank, but the end of that match calls for you to pick me up over your head. I want to be assured that you have the stamina and the strength to do that and, and do it and do it to me in a safe way where I can go home to my family at night, the same way I arrived that evening. Mm-hmm. So conditioning is the biggest piece. Um, Actually, anyone that's brand new that that gets enrolled in, into our facility goes through a physical tryout, and the tryout's nothing to do, you know, in the ring. It's there's no suplexes and running the ropes and anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. It's more so uh, very similar to like a um, a high level CrossFit workout. We're testing, you know, strength, endurance, flexibility, mobility, those type of things. But most of all, what I'm looking for in a tryout is someone's heart. What do they have inside? You know, we push them really hard. And if they're, if they're the type of person that's just going to give, give up on themselves through an exercise or a workout, again, probably not going to last too long with us. 
So um, there's that aspect. And we do teach the physical components, the basic fundamentals of wrestling, you know, your, your rolls, your bumps, you're running the ropes, your maneuvers. We teach the psychology of wrestling. You know, that's the, what we do, when we do it and how we do it and why mm -hmm. um, we do a lot of character development stuff as well. Um, we work with our athletes from the ground up to develop a persona, a character. We go, you know, how they're going to present themselves, everything from what they wear in the ring to the music they come out to. Um, nice. And how to market themselves, how to get themselves work out there in different promotions, how to get their name out there. And one of the aspects I think is the one of the most important as well, along with conditioning, is you have to be able to sell yourself as a wrestler. Um, and, you know, we've had some of the greatest wrestlers of all time have been technically just phenomenal, but they have the, you know, the personality of a stick in the mud. So yeah. no one really was paying to see them. Um, so we want to make sure our, our guys have that component and know how to talk. So mm. what we call we call wrestling as a promo, basically yeah. hyping up yourself, hyping a matchup. So we teach that as well. And that's a, that that's difficult for a lot of people, you know, because a lot of our, our, you know, a lot of people coming into wrestling and, I think wrestling fans in general are very introverted, to be quite honest with you. Um, mm. And then coming in and kind of putting them on the spot and saying, okay, get in front of the class. Let's see what you can do. You know, we've, we've seen people go up in front of a class of maybe 10 people and just completely freeze. Not a single word can come out of their mouth. And we really try to break it down even to the, to the bare bones. And I'd say, okay, just say your name. And that was difficult for some folks. Wow. And to, to see them go from there to now they don't shut up. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's quite, it's quite the journey and it's, it's super yeah. awesome to see. That's really cool. I don't know too much about what goes on behind the scenes with pro wrestling. Um, so I know that the, I know that the, the wrestlers will cooperate with one another to put on the show and try and, and um, do exciting things without killing each other. What, what are some of those basic fundamentals that you mentioned and what, what's the purpose behind them? Because I'm, I'm interested to know how, uh, how the show progresses. Cause if, if I'm not mis mistaken, it's not entirely scripted, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, it I think it depends on a lot of different things. Um, and I try to, to teach my guys a lot of the way I was taught, which was I can, you know, now 22 years into the wrestling business, I wrestle very minimally these days. Um, but even before this, this training center was open, I could show up to a building late, if, you know, depending on traffic or flights or whatever, and arrive at the building and change. They say, hey, you're out there in five minutes. And I could go out into the ring with some my opponent that I haven't even spoken a word to up until that point. And I can have a, a match for 20, 30 minutes if needed, no problem. Mm. Um, and to me, that's the art of professional wrestling. It's, it's, to me, it's not very artistic. To, you know, it sounds kind of funny, but to like paint by numbers. You know, mm -hmm. and a lot of inexperienced guys, a lot of newer guys really try to really hammer down and I don't want to say script in the, in the literal sense, but they have a game plan, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and they stick to that no matter what. And I try to get my guys and girls out of that line of thinking because I always tell them, you know, you can go out there and do A, B, and C, but what happens when you get the D and the crowd does not care about anything you're doing? Mm -hmm. Are you going to go on to E and F and G? Um, so what I, I try to teach one of the one of the fundamentals, really, besides the physical fundamentals of you know your roles and your bumps and body control and stuff like that, is to listen to the crowd. You know, we in wrestling we have the 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 luxury of being the puppet masters, and the, I say the crowd is our puppets. We're the ones that that 
manipulate them. And I don't, and I don't say that in a malicious manner, but we're the ones that manipulate the crowd to react the way that we want them to. Um, that's when you, that's when you know you're onto something and you're a pro and you're a real pro, not where you're letting the crowd dictate what you do or don't do. And I think a lot of guys kind of get caught up in that. And some guys are afraid of the silence when, when you're in the ring, sometimes the silence is your friend. It's just very uncomfortable. You got to learn how to stick through it. Yeah. Um, but it, it takes experience. It takes time. It takes repetition. Um, you know, some people say, or most people actually that have been doing this a long time, say you really don't start to truly understand what wrestling is until you're like seventh or eighth year in. And I, that, that was the case for me for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm t- 20 plus years in now, and I'm still learning, th- you know, things every single night in class, whether it's from my students or other instructors. So pro wrestling is about working the crowd. It sounds like trying, yeah. really, really trying to give them a show that, 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 that they're, they are responsive to. Yeah. We we're showmen. When it, when push comes to shove, that's what we are. We are we are showmen. We're we're an, we're like an athletic soap opera. To, you know, <laughs> we're like the we're like the the young and the restless, but a lot more exciting and a lot more physical. Yeah. Um. You know, and I like to also liken to, to like to liken it to you know we're like real life live action superheroes. You know, mm-hmm. but we only get one take. We don't get the luxury of saying cut. Let's try it again. Right. You know, we're out there in front of the people who are front rows, maybe six, seven feet away from what we're doing. And, you know, we don't get a chance to call cut and, and get another take. We got to do it right the first time. No takes and no CGI. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no stunt doubles. <laughs> no. Although a lot of wrestlers do moonlight as stunt doubles. So it makes, it makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. As some of the stuff I've seen on TV is like, I don't even, even with the equipment, I don't know how they do that. I would yeah. be, I would be really afraid. Like just the, the, the heights that they fall from onto these. Yeah like uh, folding tables and stuff. It's like, there's no yeah. way they didn't get hurt. That's just, yeah. it, there's it, no it, way. It's true. And and it looks so much different watching it than it is doing it. And I think a lot of people misconstrue it because I don't think you really, you know, people that aren't, that haven't done it, don't really, can't really get a true feel for the physicality of it. I mean, I always uh-huh. tell people, you know, everyone always likes to, not everyone, but a lot of people like to throw around the F word, which is fake. Oh, wrestling's fake. And you know, this, that, Mm-hmm. And I, I always tell people, you can't fake gravity. You know, falling hurts. It hurts <laughs> a lot. And, you know, not to mention the realness of everything outside the ring as well. You know, the, yeah. the toll it takes on your body, your family, your you know, personal life and stuff like that. But it's, it's amazing. Like, I hear all the time, like, oh, what do they use? Like, rubber chairs and rubber tables? I'm like, no, that's real stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know? Um, and, oh, oh, you're just falling on a trampoline. I'm like, that is not a trampoline. Believe me. Because if it was, I wouldn't have bad back, bad knees, bad neck, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. So, so switching gears now to your, your coaching, what, what, why did you decide to go into one-on-one coaching from, from having a, a, a wrestling school? Uh, you know, it was, it was by accident. Honestly, it really was. Um, so we opened the wrestling school and again, we had these, these standards and, and these, and I was the the head trainer at the time. And I really held my students to a very high athletic standard. And one of the goals that we had when we opened the school was, and we have this in our mission statement was to not only create great wrestlers, but create great people as Mm -hmm. well. So we wanted to, to, to our, our guys and girls to learn skills, not only in the ring, but the skills they learn while they're with us, they can apply it actually out into the real world and their real lives. Um, so I, as time went on, I, I realized, you know, I, not, not that I realized, but I, 
having conversations with our students, I realized this was helping them on a much higher level than just professional wrestling. So I started having students come to me with personal issues, how in how to work mm. through those. And, um, and I always thought that was always the, you know, the, they knew that from day one, if you have any problems, you know, I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you in any way that I can. Um, and guys would just kind of ask me for how to be better in a variety of different areas. How do I become more confident? You know, how do I get through this issue that I'm having in my relationship? And I just started kind of coaching guys on accident, really. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then I realized that personal development is an actual thing. And I was like, wait a minute, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Um, so I kind of wanted to branch out and, and give the opportunity or, or hopefully earn the opportunity to work with other people that really maybe don't have any desire to be a pro wrestler or any or anything even yeah. remotely related to it. Because um, I do know a lot of people that, you, you know, need that help that have no ambition to get in the ring. Um, and I do work with people that, you know, have no desire to, and they work a regular job and have a family and things like that. And I, I can help them. So it's kind of like, it's made me kind of be able to spread out what I do to a, a wider audience and be able to help anybody, not just someone in the pro wrestling world. Excellent. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you, if this was, just for for people in the pro wrestling world, or if it was for everyone, but that that answers my question. Yeah. So you you have uh, on your website you talk about your personal development roadmap. Can you walk us through that? How does that work? Sure. So what I the the, the basis of it is I can give you pointers and hips and kind of move you towards certain things to do to make yourself better or create the best version of yourself. I can draw that map out for you. Obviously, when I get to work with you and get to know you and figure out what it is that you're looking to do, where you're looking to improve, where you come from, all those different factors. Um, but I cannot drive the car for you. So, you know, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a lot of people kind of, when they, if they're not really familiar with what coaching is, sometimes think, well, my coach is going to do it for me or kind of, you know, figure it all out for me. It's not the case. It's it's a lot of the work, if not all of it, you have to do yourself. Um, so what the process is, you know, I, I meet with, and I, and I do it in a variety of different ways. I do one-on-one. I do group coaching, things like that. Um, but usually I'd like to just kind of get a sense of what it is that's, that that person's missing, mm-hmm. what it is that they're looking to either add to their life, what they're looking to improve, the areas that they're struggling in. But I also like to get a sense of what they feel they do well at. You know, what, what, what are the things that they feel like they don't need help with? What are the things that they feel like they're an expert at? Um, so really there's a big kind of like pre-screening process, especially with the one-on-one aspect. I really try to get as much information from them on paper first. And then I'll usually have a, like a, like either a sit down with them if they're local or a zoom something, you know, over the computer, um, to kind of answer some of those questions I may have had from, from the, from the written document, um, and then we kind of set a, a, a course from there. Um, and, every, and it's individualized because everyone, you know, everyone doesn't struggle with discipline. Everyone doesn't struggle with time management. It's a ver- it's, it matters, you know, what that person really needs to work on. Mm-hmm. And we kind of come up with a game plan and go kind of week to week from there. Um, generally speaking, I like to work with someone at a minimum of, of three months. I feel like that's that's my wheelhouse to really be, to be able to, to have enough time to kind of set someone off in the right direction. And I leave it to them up at that point, if they want to continue on or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the course of those, those three months, we're meeting weekly, 
you know, whether it's virtually or in person. And yeah. I'll have them do different assignments over the course of the week before we meet again, just things that they should be working on actively. And I'll have them chart their progress. We'll kind of go over it and kind of make adjustments as needed. Um, and we'll we'll kind of, you know, we'll highlight that roadmap to their end destination. Um, and hopefully by the end of that three months, they're they're either there or very close to it. Excellent. So if um if, for example, a, a guy wanted to work on his confidence, what what would be what would be an example of of some homework that you would give him to help him with that? Yeah. So one of my common ones is I, uh, a lot of people come up and say, I really, I'm afraid to talk in front of people, or mm-hmm. I, I really don't feel like I have anything to offer, or, or I'm afraid of what people think of me. And my immediate response <laughs> to that is, well, you need to, you need to face that head on. You're just telling your, and I ask, what, what story are you telling yourself in your head? Because you may think you look stupid, but I assure you no one else is thinking that. <laughs> you're just you're mm-hmm. just telling yourself that story in your head. So something simple that I, I assign to people like that, and not even people that are necessarily struggling with that, but um, I'll tell them, especially if they use social media, I'll, I'll make them post uh, videos of themselves. And for some of them, that's completely foreign to them. They've never done it before. They've done it minimally, and it makes their their skin crawl. They they hate to hear their their own voice or see themselves on video. Yeah. And it, that, but that's a requirement, and I'll, I'll you know make them do it. Usually, I'll give them something to talk about if they need to. You know, if they're having you know a struggle, you know, figuring that piece out. Um, but a hundred percent of the time, as that time goes on, they get way more comfortable doing it, and that's kind of like our baseline. That's where that that's a really good way to kind of kick off that self-confidence. And then we start honing in from there, whether it's, you know, face-to-face confidence with people, whether it's, you know, being in front of a large group in person, those type of things. And we work on it from there. Excellent. That's really good. I know that um, I, uh, I came up doing Taekwondo in, in martial arts. And I, when I was really young, I did a leadership program where they put me as a kid in front of class uh, and, and they let us kids like take turns, like leading class and teaching. And then as I got older and the longer I was in the longer I was in the program, you know, I had more responsibilities for teaching up to the point of like teaching an actual, like an entire class. Um, and of course at the time I was exceptionally nervous, <laughs> Yeah. but it, it was really, it was really good for me because it helped me learn to speak in a way that's engaging. Uh, it helped me to compose myself in front of people and I think in an indirect way, it, it helped me believe in myself that even if I don't know everything, that I usually have something that I can contribute to a conversation. Yeah. Um, a lot of that stuff is not actually your knowledge base. It's really just your, the story, like you said, the story that you tell yourself in the head, your head. You're, you're telling yourself a story of something that's not really true. Like, oh, I don't have anything to contribute to this, this conversation. People aren't going to like me or they're going to see me a certain way if I say something. Yeah. And um, Something, something that I've learned is that sometimes you can just say something unpopular, but as long as you own it with a smile on your face, it doesn't <laughs> make a difference. Nobody dislikes no. you more. Like it's, it's, no. it's just whatever, you know, people laugh yeah. and you move on. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Think like, I think everybody has the ability to do it. Yeah. Um, it takes a, a, you know, it takes some time to get it out of people. I don't think everyone has the desire to do it like for the long haul, you know, and that's Okay. Um, but I think that's a, you know, a common, you know, maybe fear in some folks is like, well, maybe I don't have anything good to say, or why would anybody care what I have to say? And I'm like, you'll never know unless you speak up, unless you say something. And you know, I've, I've had guys at the wrestling school who were afraid to speak up, you know, who were, 
just kind of in their own shell and, and afraid of stepping on toes, not, not mm-hmm. against the trainers or anything like that, but just amongst their own classmates or being looked at in a certain light by their classmates. And, and I, and I, I always tell people like others perception of you has nothing to do with what you can provide to yourself in this class. And now one of my guys who was afraid to speak up in the first place is now one of my leaders. He's one of my captains and he helps lead my beginners classes. Cause you know, my time is spread as, as thin as it is. So mm-hmm. I leave that up to him. And now he's in a leadership role. He's more vocal. He's becoming more confident. So it's just a snowball effect. It's just a matter of just getting off the, you know, getting off the horse in the first place and just dipping your toe in right away. And sometimes maybe just doing a cannonball, right? <laughs> as yeah. much as you can and not being afraid to fail. We're all going to fail. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to look stupid at some point, but it's not the yeah. end of the world. It's not going to cost you anything for the most part. You know, you wake up tomorrow, shake it off and get back in the game. Right. Yeah. I mean, people, people are remarkably, they have short memories about things. Sure. Or they, or they end up remembering it different than the way you felt it was, right? Yeah. Like, oh, that was yeah. so embarrassing, yeah. you know. And and all the other people thought that it was just funny, it was just silly, yeah. and then it wasn't, it wasn't really. They weren't, in, yeah. they didn't, weren't embarrassed for you or thinking, wow, what, what a dork or what a. No, what a we know. always tend, we always tend to magnify yeah. things to, to to be way worse than they actually yeah. are. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So. Yeah, and those, and um, I know those. That thing can be far reaching because there was a time after. After I did that leadership program, I didn't teach for, oh man, probably almost 10 years. And then I got a job, like actually teaching, like for money, teaching martial arts. And I walked right back into it. Um, and there was a, you know, it was a little quick adjustment period, but I was immediately thrown into not just teaching class, but like, oh, we're going to go to this event. You need to like do like a 20 minute segment in front of <laughs> 250 people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to this church and do this anti-bullying thing. And there's going to be 70 yeah. people there. And I was like, I, what are you going to do? Say no. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that same, that same thing actually happened to me today, you know, and I, I speak in front of large groups all the time and I run classes all the time. And mm-hmm. it's something that I'm very familiar with. And I was asked today if I could, um, if I could do a 45 minute presentation on motivation and a discipline uh, for a local business here that I'm very close with. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to talk myself out of it. Like, Oh, well, again, they that initial spark in your brain, no matter how, I think how developed you are in a skill, there's always a little self doubt there, no matter yeah. what. But I had to catch myself and say, I got this. I've done this a million times just because it's a new audience. One that I'm not, you know, that's not familiar with me. That shouldn't that shouldn't hinder me from wanting to do it. If anything, mm-hmm. that should make me even more apt to do it because I want these people to hear what I have to say. Most importantly, because hopefully my message will help them. That's why I was seeked out for it in the first place, um, and you know, quickly got over that and and you know told them I would do it. But it's funny how you can work on something and develop a skill over a, over a period of time, and that doubt will creep in every now and then. Not every time. But it's it'll creep it's you know creep in there and you just gotta remember where you've come from remember what you've accomplished remember keep in mind how far you've come um, and like for for me I couldn't even imagine doing what I'm doing now you know 20 years ago or so um, it's, it'd be unheard of if if I told myself that 20 years ago what I'd be doing now um, and today it's just kind of par for the course yeah absolutely. So, uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out and ask you some more questions or 
Uh, best way you could get, uh, go to my website, domvitali.com. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram at domvitali. Um, and if you want to get a sense of, of maybe what it's like to, to hear me in your ear, um, I, I have my own podcast. It's called the knucklehead podcast. We have new episodes every week. Um, usually just the topics are, you know, some personal development points, you know, depending on what the topic is, um, each week it varies and every occasional interviews here and there of people I find inspiring or, kind of of the same uh, mindset as myself. Nice. That's a fun podcast name. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. And I uh, hope we can actually do this again sometime. Absolutely. Josh, it be my pleasure. And again, thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Mm-hmm.